Hey, and uh, so glad that you're with us this morning. We've been praying this whole weekend for a move of God. And, uh, and let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm uh, teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit individually, each one uh, at a time. And in the last uh, three teachings, I'm, I'm praying on the prayer language what we call speaking in tongues. And I know that uh, this is a very uh, difficult topic to even to comment and to speak on it. But I have to do the series. You know, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, and then interpretation. And so <clears throat> uh, I'm writing a series of nine small books and so I want you to bear with me on this, uh, because this is my third time dealing with this subject. It's not a popular subject. As a matter of fact, it's a subject that is very uh, confused to some, ignored by many, and really laughed at it by, by uh, every uh, night television host uh, that seems to get a pot at the the Holy Spirit, or, or the things of God. And so, uh, I've uh, decided to consider this and to deal with it. And of course, you have to agree that uh, I'm not the final word on anything. But what I say and what I share with you today might be helpful to you uh, to deal with it in the coming years of your life. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion about this subject. Now, if you study the book of 1 Corinthians where all of this seems to be attached, the gifts and the operation and, and so on and so forth, you've got to, to know that uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter to the Corinthian church at Corinth. Corinth is a little town uh, being excavated uh, as we speak north of Athens, Greece. Those of you who have been there with us have seen the, the, the beam of seat. We've seen the, the, the city that uh, moves up a mountain. It sort, it sort of a, has an incline toward the up. And, and then it stops. And then there's a tall mountain on top of the mountain, way up, maybe a mile. There are four little teeth which is really four columns, large columns. Uh, uh, and as you enter, as you enter Corinth, on the left, there's the Temple of Apollos. And there are about four or five columns there. So they're massive columns. But as you look way up in the top of the mountains, you, show the, you see the temple of the columns, uh, which used to be the Temple of Aphrodite, with a thousand prostitutes, and, uh, and, uh, and so the church at Corinth had its work cut out for, for them. And Paul is dealing with that church and, and the, the evil that encompasses the whole city. So he says in 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, this, uh, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. 
even unto babies in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. And hereto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now you are able. You are able. Meaning, you weren't able and you're not able now. I mean, you're immature Christians. And then he says, I have so many things to tell you. But I can't do it. And the reason why is because in your midst, <clears throat> there's envy. There's strife. Division exists. And that's carnal. So this is how Paul approaches the, the Corinthian church. I can give you knowledge, he says, in a, in a way, but I, I can't give you the anointing. I can teach you, uh, but you have to learn to pray the plan of salvation. And I want you to know that there's a level of when you still spiritually uh, not developing. And it has to do with uh, envy and strife and division. It doesn't seem to, it points toward the, the, the state of your soul. And of course, it's not an easy thing to overcome. But it is, I want you to know, the last before the anointing comes. The relational healing is the last before the anointing comes. Because when you consider the, uh, the healing uh, uh, with others, then God begins to... And then Paul says, but only God gives the increase. Well, he's talking about uh, Apollos. And, you know, in 1 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5, he says, For while one said it, I am Paul. So that's a division there. And I am Apollos. And uh, aren't you carnal? Who then is Paul and who then is Apollos, ministers of whom uh, uh, yet believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? In verse 6, I have, it says, I have planted salvation. Apollos has watered. But the the increase belongs to God. Only God can give the increase. And so there is a limitation in spirituality. And those who preach it have to understand it. That there's nothing in me that you want. I, I'm sharing with you a principle. But it's up to God to reveal it to you. It sort of diminishes <clears throat> your place in terms of preaching. You know, In other words, <laughs> I, I, I don't have it. You know, most preachers would say, "Oh, you, you can believe in me. I, I have it." Well, I, <clears throat> I learned, I learned the hard way that I don't have it. But God does, and if God can use me properly, He will do what He wants to do with, through me. The problem is that the channel between God, me, and somebody else sometimes gets so clogged that you have envy and strife and divisions and anger. Which quenches the Holy Spirit from the beginning. And the Holy Spirit will not operate in your life. And the anointing is very, very limited. So, well, I just said it. I think I'm getting somewhere. And I think the Holy Spirit, nothing will happen to your spiritual growth. Paul is writing to spiritual babes and how to plug into the mysteries of God. You see, the reason why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians is to understand, for us to understand, revelation knowledge. What is revelation knowledge? 
I need a, I need a, uh, I need a definition for revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is that which comes from God pertaining to the mysteries of God unto your mind, your soul, so you can minister to others. And what it does, it takes people out of carnality. You know, uh, uh, the problem in Corinth, when you look at the sexual problem with the temple of Aphrodite, it's using sexuality for personal benefit. Using sexuality to pervert. And the result of that is anger, bitterness, anxiety, resentment, strife. God gave us sexuality. The gift of sexuality is, is holy, is good. But when you disturb it, when you transform it into prostitution, as to Aphrodite, then sin comes in. And sin generates anger, bitterness, resentment, strife, and envy. So, by the way, never curse somebody's sexuality. You are, you are cursing the seed. Now, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 talks about this mystery, this idea of, uh, of, uh, of uh, revelation knowledge. And uh, it's an interesting verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the uh, none of the princes of this world for, uh, knew. For they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Now, what does it mean? What this verse actually means about hidden things? Well, God's plan of redemption was hidden. You know, nobody knew. The crowd didn't know. The disciples had an idea, but quite didn't grasp it until Pentecost. Why it was hidden? It was hidden. Uh, the, now you say, well, well the New Old Testament is full of, uh, of uh, prophecies and full of, uh, of, of, of secret, hidden secrets and, and cues, uh, clues about, uh, about uh, the plan of salvation. But, when the time came for Jesus to die, they couldn't understand it. God had to hide it in His heart. Why? And the verse explains. Because if the princes of this world had known that mystery, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, it was necessary that Jesus died, so resurrection to take place, and our sins be forgiven. And so it had to be hidden. Hidden simply means only by revelation. So what is that is why Paul says about the Old Testament saints, you know, if you if you study the scripture, I had ever seen years never heard nor in the heart of God those things that God has prepared for those that love him. I never seen, years never heard, nor into the heart of God those things that God has prepared for those that love him. So 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 
Revelation knowledge, spiritual knowledge, is not something you take from a book. It's something that God reveals to you for the benefit of somebody else. In other words, of all the years that I have preached, all the years I have traveled, all the years I have uh, carried the Bible in my pocketbook and I became an evangelist, a full-time evangelist, I've seen much revelation. All kinds of words that God, always in relation to somebody else. Not to make me feel good, not to make me feel uh, proud, but to help somebody else. So, you probably ask me and say, Rick, what kind of ministry do you have? I never heard of you. I thank God you never heard of me. I don't particularly care if you heard or not, or you like me or not. I used to say this uh, several times. So, what am I saying? I'm saying that the hidden mystery, the revelation of God through me to you is a gift from God. I'm just a mouth. Now, Let's take a look at that verse again. Eyes have never seen, ears never heard, nor in the heart of God those things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So, so here, here is where Paul begins to explain revelation knowledge. That's the focal point of his ministry. Uh, uh, because when he says God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit, then Paul begins to explain how revelation moves, how revelation works. Now, let's begin. Let's, let's just... Take a look at the man. Fourteen epistles of the New Testament. Fourteen books in the New Testament belong to Paul. Paul is the one who heard the book of Romans. My gosh. He had more revelation than anybody else in the time of Jesus except Jesus himself. Notice that Paul comes late. You know, forty years late. But Paul begin to hear from God what the apostles did not hear. And that is why it's so difficult for the traditional church to receive the full ministry of Paul, the full letter of Paul. But as you look to the apostles, you're going to see, you're going to see uh, a lot of things in terms of revelation, in terms of knowledge. For instance, you know, uh, here's Peter in the house of Simon the tenor, and he's about to have lunch. He has a vision. And a sheet comes from heaven, and God says, What I, what I uh, sanctify do not call unclean, meaning get to the house of Cornelius, because the gospel needs to get out of Jerusalem into the world. And the Gentiles in the house of Cornelius were the ones. How did that occur? Revelation. So Paul... So, so Peter also had revelation. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Now if you look at the Gospel of John, you've got to believe that the Gospel of John is one of the most overwhelming uh, New Testament books in the Bible. Because what God revealed to, 
So John, especially Revelations, Apocalypse, the book that today shares the end of glory. And so when you look at Paul and you look at 1 Corinthians and the Corinthian church, you begin then to understand what really is happening. So why Apostle Paul is so different than any of his contemporaries, you know, of his day? Why is so different? Well, he said something like this. I pray more than all of you. I don't think Paul had a clock, and he kept on timing the disciples, timing Silas and Barnabas. I think that verse has relationship with what's in front of him at that particular time. He prayed constantly. So we could say that Paul was edified constantly. Jesus prayed constantly. The ministry of prayer of our Lord it's got to be one of the most impressive things as you begin to study. How many times he stopped to pray? So prayer is the dividing line between normal ministry and abnormal ministry. Prayer is the dividing line between normal ministry and abnormal ministry. You know, you can grow in the lights... You can find a way to be overwhelmingly appreciated by thousands. You can be uh, overwhelming hundreds and thousands of people. But if you don't have a prayer line, when you die, they just disappear. Everybody disappears. So when you have a life of prayer... The fruits are overwhelming. I'm talking about people's lives changed, renewed, strengthened by the Holy Spirit. So prayer is a dividing line between the normal ministry and the abnormal ministry. You want to have an abnormal ministry. Prayer changes the direction of personal ministry. Let me tell you a little story about my father. My father drove a Harley Davidson in his early days, uh, in his latter days. You know, I think he was about 50 or so, 60. He drove a Harley with a sidecar. And my father would spend nights in prayer. The house that was where the temple of the Methodist Church is in Santa Barbara today, there was a house there. The roof was, it was in, inward. means instead of going to the A-frame, it went down. And when he got down, there was a space in between the tiles uh, for the water to run down. And my father would uh, walk that plank about 30, 40 feet of the house at night in prayer. I don't know why he got up in there. All I can tell you is that uh, every auditorium, every church my father had, from zero attendance to to, to Buying chairs. Father just had the gift of bringing the gospel to others. He was a man of prayer. Today as you travel Brazil, if you mention in any church that we ever go, north and south, that I'm the son of Daniel Bonfim and their hands say, I was saved by his ministry. I was saved by his ministry. 
Literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to Christ. So what I'm saying is, prayer creates an abnormal ministry that God can use. So, ministry is built by revelation. I can testify to that. Ministry is built by revelation. What do you mean by that? It means that if I have a prayer life... Now, Paul thought of himself not worthy of what the Lord did to him. You know, he said, "Ah, one born out of due time. 1 Corinthians 15, 8. And Galatians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, As for those who were held in high esteem, the apostles... Whatever they were, they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Why Paul saying that in relation to spending 15 days in Jerusalem with the disciples? Because what they said to him, he already had a revelation from God. What is in the connection between your prayer life and the revelation of God into your life of ministry? Let's take a look. What is the connection between your prayer life in revelation of God into your life, into your ministry. What is the connection there? Let's take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 2, seven. It says, We speak wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. 1 Corinthians 4.1 Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewardess of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The steward is an administrator. Let me read this verse again, would you? you, you can you pause a little bit? Let me read it again. Okay. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Let a man so account for us as ministers of Christ and stewards of Christ, of the, stewards of the miracles of God. So I'm saying that, that Paul is saying that a person that carries the gospel within him is a steward, an administrator, someone who takes care of the affairs and put into order and correct and protect and bring all our sets into order. Paul did that as he, as, he, as, he, as he correct that salvation is by faith and not by works. Paul preached that word. Paul strengthened that word. Paul went into all the churches of the 16th chapter of Acts. Of course, is the second missionary journey. Correcting and telling what Jerusalem and the saints in Jerusalem, disciples, have decided about, about salvation by works and salvation by faith. When you speak in tongues... You are speaking in the mysteries. You are speaking in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit bypasses your flesh, your soul, your intellect, and connects to our spirit. There is a language there being built and brought forth by God. And Jesus, your intercessor, hears that automatically. You open your mouth and He begins to speak mysteries. Why mysteries? Because you are administrator. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you speak into an unknown tongue, not to men, but to God. For no one understands Him. 
In the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. That's the third time the word mystery appear in, in, in 1 Corinthians. And so, my question to you today is simply this. Are you, in your heart, in your mind, have a blockage against your spirit praying? So in the name of Jesus, I come against the idea that you are resist the Holy Spirit in this area. I come against the idea that you have no freedom to flow in the spirit realm and let your spirit speak mysteries to God that are private, hidden, <coughs> brought forth by the Holy Spirit in the presence of God. I release you. I release your tongue. I release your understanding. I release your knowledge. I release your blessing. I release your uh, faith to move forward into areas you've never been before. And pray in such a way that God can hear your spirit broadcasting a thousand miles an hour through the skies of the atmosphere of this world into the heart of Jesus in heaven. In the Lord Jesus, you know, the Lord Jesus uh, uh, is your intercessor. You know, uh, as you know, I, I lost my dear wife of 52 years, and and so I went to the cemetery yesterday to get the fix the flowers there a little bit, <laughs> and so I, I had to come up with a prayer. You know, I had to come up with a prayer, and so I said, "Dear Lord Jesus, I have a request for you." When you pass by heaven, would you tell my, my wife, Mary Lucy, that, that hold on, I'll be coming. <laughs> hold on, I'll be coming. Just just relax. I'm on the way. Jesus is your intercessor. And when you pray in the spiritual realm, in the mysteries of God, the Holy Spirit knows your needs more than anybody else. Knows your pain more than anybody else. Knows your hurts more than anybody else. You know, why would you speak in Portuguese or English? Heavenly Father, you know where I hurt and know that my problem. No, 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 no. Look, 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 look. You are from Corinth. You're getting milk every Sunday. And Jesus wants to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit and build you up to be a blessing to the nations. And because you are who you are in envy and strife and anger and just rules your life and you are ruled by emotions. But when you begin to open your mouth and speak into the unknown, asking God for mercy and kindness and gentleness, forgiveness and redemption, you are actually moving in the spiritual realm. It bypasses all your flesh, your soul, your intellect, and the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit and out of your mouth a language begins to come that begins to travel a million miles by every second into the realms of God. And there your need is being explained to Jesus by the Holy Spirit and not your southern draw. You probably say, Rick, but that's just a very... Very, very uh, un, unbounded theological message. Well, it, it might be. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. But I can tell you that. 
when you read 1 Corinthians 14, 2, Paul is giving to you what he considers to be the secret of his personal ministry. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. The Lord bless you and minister to you. And, oh, and I hope one of these days you come to Rekindle the Flame in Athens, Georgia. Find out the date. Go to a website called latterain.com. L-A. You know the coffee latte? Latte? Give me a cup of latte. Uh, 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 no sugar. Decaf extra hot. That's what Mary Lucy has. Latte. L-A-T-T-E. And then the word rain. Put the two together. Latte and rain.com. And you come into our website and you begin to listen to these teachings. And I hope it bless your life today. Amen. Bye-bye. To every generation, He gives the joy of His salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch the world around me, I can see His mighty hand delivering His people. From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken hearted Lift their voice in prayer As they feel the touch of His amazing grace